back to the Baseball Elite Podcast right here at Fantasy Guru. Kyle Elfing and Ray Flowers with you. And we're garnering a reputation um, in the podcasting world. And uh, that reputation is kind of just growing in the last 48 hours. Here's what's happening. Um, If you are a player struggling, if you are a team struggling, just have myself and Ray Flowers spend like five to 10 minutes on you. And very, very quickly you will turn things around. And Ray Flowers, what I'm talking about is over the weekend, you and I did a podcast. I think we recorded it uh, Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. um, And most people have had a chance to listen to that. And on that podcast, we discussed two topics. One, the fact that the Tampa Bay Rays cannot hit at home. And two, Victor Robles. I was ready to dump the guy, give up on the guy. He, He hadn't hit all season. And Ray, in the last 48 hours, I think Tampa Bay has scored 19 runs in, in two games at home. And I think Victor Robles uh, over the last three games is like having his best three game run and at least this year, if not longer. It's it's just that easy for us to make things happen. Yeah. So go to the chat room, send us your questions. Well, not even send us your question. Just send us the players that you want us to talk about that we can boost. Um, <laughs> it doesn't usually doesn't usually go that way. Right. And uh and we weren't very overflowing with praise for the Rays. And then, so it's not always a positive, just sometimes just a mention, Kyle, whether even Ray, Ray did keep me, you did keep me though on the path and the track with, with, um, with Robles. So th- there you nailed it. Well, I, I've kept everyone. So hopefully I'm going to be right here because I have kept everyone <laughs> on the Robles path. I've answered questions about him almost every day for about a month. Let's hope it keeps going this way, Kyle. Well, it's only three games. Yeah. I, I don't know. When when does he officially turned it around? Maybe a week or two? I don't know. It's only been three games. Yeah. Um, and, and I say this with Robles, right? If you hated him for, you know, six weeks, then then you should be praying for more of this, obviously. But if he truly th- said, this guy's a bum, I don't want anything to do with him. Uh, maybe a week from now, Ray, we'll be going back to all those people saying, trade him. You know, if you feel that way, trade them. No one Now's your it. chance. That's what we always say when, when people hate dudes and they want to drop dudes and this guy sucks and this guy can't hit, we always recommend at least hold on to him until the hot streak hits and then by all means prove that you really think he sucks and trade him. We often find that when bad players, quote unquote bad players, become good players, nobody then wants to trade them. All of a sudden they've changed their opinion on that guy. Yeah, um, but... We we know that it, we, the the draw of seven for fifteen with a home run and seven RBIs is very strong, Kyle. And um, I don't think a lot of people stick to it like that. And that's what I always say too, right? It's like that's what we always try to teach people here at Fantasy Guru is that you know have a plan, have a method that you analyze players with, and stick with it. And long term, it works. You know what we're teaching at the site, it works. You know, and is it right about every player? No. Is it about right about every three week period of time? Absolutely not, but it works. So don't cut yourself short by missing the big picture. I know a lot of people are, oh, my season's over. Uh, it's been eight weeks. We're starting the eighth week of 26. There's a lot of time left to overcome slow starts. Well, um, I, I also add this. Every single player in fantasy baseball can be traded. There are no untouchable pieces. It's a matter of knowing when to trade them. That is so critical. That That's the real adjustment. That's the real battle, if you will, when you get into the trade market. Well, that is the Baseball Elite podcast starting nine, a run through of the nine topics that we're going to be dealing with over the next hour or so. Uh, in the leadoff spot, 
I wish I could say, hey, we're going to talk about this guy and all of a sudden a miracle will happen and he'll be back on the field tomorrow. Uh, but that's not going to happen with Corey Seager. We'll talk about the fractured hand for the Dodgers shortstop. Uh, some Dodger blues uh, happening out there in Southern California. In the two hole, we'll uh, do our weekly check in on some of the winning waiver bids from the Sirius XM host leagues. A lot of players. It was a busy night on that uh, waiver wire. So a lot of guys to talk about there. Our player profile, we'll look at a guy who had a massive Sunday afternoon, Nick Maton of the Philadelphia Phillies. And lo and behold, you look up at his numbers. Yikes. They're pretty good right now. Uh, in the four spot, Hamstrung in New York. Doesn't look like we have good news on Michael Conforto. Could have some bad news on Jeff McNeil. That continues the bad news for this Mets offense. In the five spot, we'll get you some news and notes. The latest on Ronald Acuna, Giancarlo Stanton, Steven Strasburg. We'll talk about where they stand in their rehabs. In the six hole, the return and success of Mitch Hanniger. Wow, look at Mitch Hanniger this year. You look at the leaderboards, homers, ribbies, runs. Mitch Hanniger is killing it. So we'll uh, give him some love in the sixth spot. In the seven hole, we'll run through some of the weekly planner highlights from over at Fantasy Guru, some of the things that uh, we'll spotlight from Rob Povia's article. In the eight spot, the random reference. And of course, we close down things with the number nine hitter, the stamp of approval. Ray, let's begin with Dodger Blues. Let's begin with Corey Seager. Uh, broken hands, suffered on a hit-by-pitch Saturday night. Looks like at least a month for Seager. Um, and now the Dodgers are going to be shifting things around. Um, Seager's not had a great season, but I don't care how you cut it, Ray. Um, this is a big hit for fantasy players. Um, again, I don't think the season's over for fantasy players who have Seager, uh, but it's it's really impossible to go out and find a replacement unless you're thinking about trades. And the difficulty there is if it's truly four weeks for Seager, what kind of impact trade do you make? Or do you just try to keep your head above water for the next month? Yeah. And I got to tell you, I'm just going to commiserate with the listeners here. This all sucks. It just really does. And unfortunately there doesn't seem to be much end in sight with all of this. And by this, I mean the injury. And you know, the, the only positive you take out of it is that everyone is dealing with injuries. It's not just you. Okay. So don't, you know, don't get depressed and it's hard. I admit it. I'm, I've, I've got all these injuries too. And I lost Seager on multiple teams this week, but keep, keep going. Cause everyone else is dealing with it too. And, and you're right. It, four to six weeks is, is probably a fair time frame. We talked about this on Sirius. The team said at least four weeks, it's a bone. And as you pointed out, Kyle bones have a much more consistent healing pattern than muscle and tissue do. So I think four to six weeks is fair. You're right. Do you want to make a big trade? Because that's the only way you can replace Seager. Yeah. Do you want to make a big trade for a month? If you do that, make sure that you can use the player like you have middle infield, or at least you have a UT spot where you can use the player because you don't want to make a big trade and then have to make another trade because, oh my gosh, I got too many guys now. So keep that in mind. But it, it, it could be a piece, you know, piece it together kind of scenario. Uh, it, it depends on do you need a second baseman or can you use a middle infielder? You know, I mean, do, can you do that or do you have to have a shortstop? So there, there's ways to go here, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the trade market. Well, and, and on the trade market, I'm going to speak to this personally. I, I lost Seager in a league. I also lost Ty France here um, in the last few days. I've had Buxton and Yelich on the IL. So needless to say, often, <laughs> right, that's that's three big pieces with, with Yelich, Buxton, and Seager that are all out. It's a 15-team league, and I started to look at trade opportunities, and it's so difficult. Like even going to the bother of setting up a deal 
and figuring out, okay, is this truly worth it to me? Or am I being reactionary and maybe making a bad deal just because I'm staring at my lineup and I've got all these guys IL'd and they're big names and I'm worried about hanging around in the, in the race. And, and then I look at, you know, who are the guys I could trade? Um, you know, is my feeling on these guys congruent with the feelings that my trade partners might have on these guys? The trade market is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, and then you usually have a waiting period even after you pull off the deal. It's, it's very rarely that you offer a deal and it's accepted. There's negotiations. Um, you you kind of want to have three or four trades out there to see which one sticks just so you're covered. I, I mean, it is a, a process, Ray. And, you know, this is part of being committed to fantasy baseball is, is being able to dig through all this stuff. But I think that is a true challenge. It's kind of the time commitment of saying, Okay, um, you know, in that league, do, do I just wait for Yelich maybe to come back later this week? Is that kind of the easy route out? And Ray, that's probably the easiest route for me. Mm -hmm. But if I want to be a true contender, it's like, well, I, I need to find some help here. I need to think about trading pitching for hitting. But understand, it's not as simple as just, oh, I'm going to look at one team. Oh, this fits. I offer an email. Boom. Trade accepted. It's approved. I got my guy. It's, <laughs> it's just like the real life stuff. It takes some calls. It takes some emails. It takes like an hour of sitting in front of your computer and, and staring at your league mates. It's a lot of work to pull off those trades for significant pieces. I'm always surprised when I hear in the preseason, you know, back in February and March where, you know, people kind of discount the draft. Oh, I'll just work the waiver wire and make trades. I'm like, really? Like your plan is you're going to work the waiver wire and trades. Everyone else in your league wants Jazz Chisholm or Daniel Lynch or Logan Gilbert. Everyone in your league wants them. You're going to get them all. Okay. <laughs> and you have a hole in your, your team. You're just going to make a trade and fix it. Yeah. Okay. We were joking before this, this, you know, show started about a trade offer I got. I mean, to, to be nice, some people out there don't know what they're doing. You know, and if you can take it, quote unquote, take advantage of them, because you do know you're listening to this podcast, you're following us at Fantasy Guru. If you can take advantage of people, okay, but that, you know, that's, you can't depend on taking advantage of people. If you, if you do a trade that works, and this is always the hard part, you end up hurting yourself to do the trade. And a lot of people don't want to do that, right? They want to say, all right, here, here's, you know, here's, I'm looking at my roster right now. Hmm, what am I going to do? I'll give you Elvis Andrews and Brandon Belt and, you know, Justin Upton. And you give me back, you know, Francisco Lindor. Who's taking that? <laughs> you know, and so you have to give up. You have to say, well, Francisco Lindor is underperforming, but, you know, he's a guy I think I can build around. I'll give you Carlos Correa and Justin Upton. And maybe you don't want to give Carlos Correa. Maybe that's still not going to get it done because Justin Upton's been really bad. So, you know, then you have to go to the... So the bottom line is you're right that this is it's a very complicated scenario that a lot of people seem to just say, oh, it's easy to do. It's not easy to do. It takes work. And it's very, very unlikely that you're going to do a deal and feel great about when it's over or you just got pretty fortunate. You know, the one thing I found, Ray, um, well, two things. First off, the idea that opinions matching up between you and a trade partner, they, they rarely do. Like everybody values their guys way more than I value their guys. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And, and so there's always that disconnect. The second thing I found with trades, and it kind of speaks to this Seeger situation. You know, you mentioned a guy like Lindor who's, who's struggling, it's fair to say. Mm -hmm. um, I have found the quickest, easiest, and maybe most successful path to pulling off a trade when you're trying to replace dudes is to, is to trade struggling star for struggling star. You know, to, to just and you know, I got Kenta Maeda. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, I'll, I'll trade Kenta Maeda for Luis Castillo. Right. 
yeah, I don't know if that's going to work, but I think both sides, when, when owners have struggling superstars, they're maybe more willing just to say, well, I'll, t- I'll take a shot on this superstar. You know, I, 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 I don't believe in my guy. He's looked bad. I'll take a shot on your guy. We'll both exchange problems for each other. And, and I don't know if there's a right answer. Oh, I'm getting the guy who's better as the struggling star. I mean, that's specific to every player, but I find that's the easiest route in which to pull things off. Um, you know, or maybe this week, Hey, I've got Alberto Mondesi. He's coming back this week. There's excitement. Aren't you hyped for him? I'll trade him to you for Francisco Lindor, mm-hmm. you know, and if it fits for him, they want stolen bases, whatever it may be. They may be very willing to make that trade. Right. So I, I kind of just think, you know, when you get more people involved, it's a it's a six man deal, a seven man deal. It becomes almost impossible. Sometimes it's just easy to take. Hey, I'll give you my problem for your problem. Let's call it a day. Yeah. And I, I always say this to people and I, I mean this with all sincerity, like I'll get six, seven, eight player trades. I'm like, why? What are you doing here? Like what, what the, the broader you make this, the more confusing it is, the harder it is to get a handle on it and the less likely it is that you're going to come out ahead in the end. Because we're just, you know, one for one, it's got, it's A versus B. It's apple versus orange. Here we go. Eight guys. It's like we got, now we got catchers involved and, and right fielders and second baseman, first baseman, and they got a third baseman. There's a reliever over. It's like, what, what are we doing? And, you know, it's, it's rare that you're able to work out one of those deals that really fits. And so, yeah, I think that it's, it's always easy to do the straight up, like you're saying, the one for one. It doesn't have to be position for position, right? You know, it could be different than that. It could be just, you know, matching up. But I think the other point that I always tell people, because I, I always get the question, if I trade this guy, what do you think I can get? Yeah. And, you know, and the answer is, I don't know. I mean, I think that Francisco Lindor is going to bounce back and be 95% of what he was. Kyle thinks he's going to bounce back and think he's going to be 90% of what he was. You, the listener, thinks he's going to bounce back and be 85% of what he was. His current owner thinks he's going to bounce back and be 100%. Well, good luck. We're not making a trade then. So you, you have to understand that you have to find a trading partner that is willing to trade and also one that has pieces that match because we always look at it from one side. I even did it this weekend myself. I looked at the team and I said, oh, he's got these outfield pieces. I'll make an offer. And I didn't look at his whole roster. I've targeted guys that were underperforming, Victor Robles, Kyle Schwarber. And I thought, okay. And then, I re- and then he sent me back a note. He said, yeah, but I lost Christian Yelich. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So I see it now. So I even have done that. But you've got to look at the other side because it doesn't just matter what you need. It matters what the other team's needs are and if you can fill those. Well, to give you an example in that league, I was like, um, maybe I'll go look at the Glabar Torres owner because mm-hmm. I've, I've got Maeda. And, and so I'm kind of frustrated beyond belief with Maeda. Uh, I'm assuming a Glabar Torres owner is pretty frustrated with him. Pretty <laughs> now he's on the COVID uh-huh. list. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take a look at this. Well, hey, you take Kinta Maeda, I'll take Glabar Torres. And, and I looked at his team, Ray, and he's, he's got plenty of starting pitching. He's got Peralta, Woodruff, uh, Hendricks. He's got Eovalde, Zach Greinke, Eflin, Griffin Canning, Adbert Alzale. This isn't a 15-team league. Mm. He has all this. Okay. It doesn't fit. Yeah. I didn't even bother him with the trade yeah. offer, Ray, because he, what does he want Kinta Maeda for? He has no interest in Maeda. He's already dealing with Kyle Hendricks. You know, why, why would he want Maeda? So it just didn't work. And, and so I got to find someone else who has a shortstop that I can maybe flip for. Yeah. And, and, and again, this, this, is, this goes back to your main point that you started with, Kyle, that this takes work. You know, this is not it, the days of, hey, you know, and I guess maybe we all think about this. Like, you know, I did this basketball league and we've, we've talked about, it. I think I mentioned it. I did a basketball league with my, my brother and my nephew. And by the way, I killed both of them. 
Oh yeah, we should uh, we should admit yeah. Ray Flowers, yeah. um, NBA fantasy expert. Yep. Uh, now a champion, league champion. Ray Flowers for he he returned to the game as like Michael Jordan. Ray, yep. you set out for like a decade, you returned to the game, and you won a title. Kyle, I set out for two decades, so even <laughs> better. Now it was a four four team league, so let's I'll be yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I think that in that league, like my my there were like trade offers at the start and everything and people were excited and all that. And then interest started to wane a little bit. And you know, when you're in a four team league, everyone can trade because they're all all stars. It's very easy. Right. And whether you think the guy's an A player and a minus player, but when you start talking about deeper leagues, it's more difficult because the opinions change drastically. If we're not talking about the top 50 or 75 or 150, we're talking about the top 250, 300, 350. It's very tough. Plus, like I just also noted, we are at the point, where some people are starting to get really frustrated and they may not have given up on their league. They run waivers and stuff, but they're not checking their team every day. They're not paying attention every day. You know, they're starting to feel the pull of the weather warming up of, you know, the, the world opening up again. You know, it's like, it's tough. I mean, you, it, so like you said, it takes time and effort. It takes work in order to get these things done. Specific to the Dodgers, Ray, uh, their replacement figures to be Gavin Lux, but, that's going to cause just movement everywhere with this team. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you own Dodgers, and we're not talking about Mookie Betts or Justin Turner, but a lot of these other guys, Ray, um, going to be moving around, maybe in and out of the lineup. You have the Pujols signing. You have the Satsugo signing. I mean, it's kind of an open season with the Dodgers in their lineup every night now. Yeah, and then Sunday, Chris Taylor had the wrist issue. It doesn't sound serious, but that's something to monitor, so there's that. Um they did a strange thing. They called up Kiber Ruiz. I don't really understand what that was about. I assume it's just a short-term thing here. Um, so now they have three catchers on the roster, which is obviously far from ideal. Um, but yeah, this is a team that is is all kinds of beat up. And their willingness to go out and add guys like Tsutsugo in, in pools shows you, even if they're part-time players and all that, it shows you that this Dodgers team is not satisfied. They don't want to go 500. They don't want to just be okay. They want to win the World Series. And they have the resources necessary to do that. And so even with all the injuries and all the things they're dealing with, it doesn't preclude them from making future moves. So the Dodgers might actually be kind of what we were just talking about. They might kind of be in the market to make trades for guys that have big contracts or guys that are aging that are down. They might still be willing to do that even further than just Pulse and Satsugo. So that's something to remember too. But yeah, this is a team where we could have a whole lot of positional flexibility by the time it's all over. But on a day-to-day basis, you may not quite ever know if your guy's going to be in the lineup. Yeah, moving to the two-hole in our uh, starting nine, um, talking about Gavin Lux, Ray, in our Sirius XM host league, which is a 12-team league, Lux was actually available. Um, he was out there. Now, I, I, I didn't make a bid. He does not fit for me. My, my whole problem in that league is pitching, so that's really what I'm focusing on. And, and hey, I'd like to have Lux, but it just didn't fit. It's, you know, it's, I, I had other things to worry about than Gavin Lux. You were able to get Gavin Lux, and I got to say the price was not extreme. Now, there are issues with Gavin Lux, but now there's playing time, which is huge. You got him for 51 bucks in that league. I did, and, you know, we, were t- we talked about this on the Sirius show yesterday, I believe, right? Um, the next time his bid was 23 I originally had, I'll be honest with you, I had him at 39, then I pushed him like 42. I'm like, I'll just go 51. I'll get over 50. You need a shortstop? Um, I don't. Yes, I do. Uh, Right now, my current shortstop is Jonathan VR. Okay. Because I lost Corey Corey Seager. Now, I have Wander Franco if when I made the move, I took him in the 30. We had an extra round in this draft. I don't know why. We had 31 rounds, so I took him in the 31st round, I think. But um, 
he's on the bench. But yeah, I need I need a, a shortstop. And, and Lux obviously at this point in time does not qualify at shortstop in this league. I assume he'll pick that up pretty quick here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was it was a, a pivot that made sense for my team. It does make things tight because when you know soon I'll have Brandon Rogers up the middle. I hope to get Wander Franco in about a month. You know, I've got Jeff McNeil up the middle, Jonathan VR, Jose Altuve, Gavin looks like I've got a lot of up the middle stuff. So I might have to make some moves in the future, but I needed to do it now. Yeah, it's a daily league. So you'll be able to look at lineups. And of course, not all those young guys will hit. Um, you hope they do well, but who never knows. So 51 bucks for Lux. Um, it's been a struggle for him in the early stages, but there hasn't been a ton of rope given to Gavin Lux. So you don't want to write the obituary. Um, on Gavin Lux. Now, speaking of youth, you bring up Wander Franco. Uh, the Dal Bruhan was picked up this week by Jim Bowden. Jim's always interested in going for the rookies. Um, again, as a hitter, he doesn't fit for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Bruhan, $22. Again, Ray, we could see him called up in like the next week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy we brought up over the weekend in previewing the waiver wire, and maybe somebody snagged him for 20 bucks, 15 bucks, who knows? But that's a guy literally, you know, 10 days from now, if we hear he's getting called up, all of a sudden that guy's costing $150, $200 in a league like this. Yeah, I uh, in, the, in the 15 team, F, no, 14 team FSGA league, which gosh, Greg, Kyle, we dropped it back in January, right? A long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked up Bruhan myself in that league for 16. So I did the same thing. I went real proactive there. I dropped Josh Harrison, who's been solid, but you know, it's Josh Harrison. I didn't feel like I was losing much there. So I added Bruhan with the chance that uh, he gets called up soon and is stealing those bases that we've been talking about. You know, and as for me, you know, I keep talking about, oh, I'm looking for pitching. I'm looking for pitching. Um, I'm looking for ratio help. I'm looking for everything. I'm getting buried in that league with pitching. Um, and, and you know, hilariously enough, I don't look at my staff and think it's bad. It's, it's not good, but I don't think it's as bad as the numbers indicate. And so, Ray, I was putting bids in, but – I, I've kind of stayed with this strategy. I mentioned this weeks ago coming into the year uh, for leagues like this that are daily, uh, that are five by five. I kind of wanted to go the ratio route. I'm kind of worrying about starting pitchers as we get deeper into the season and who's who's healthy. So I've gone maybe with a, an overabundance of relievers. So I kind of started there. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy I picked up uh, was Jonathan uh, Losaiga yeah. uh, with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't expect him to get saves, but, you know, he's gotten a couple. I could use some saves. You know, I, I know a role this Chapman isn't going anywhere. He's he's been stellar, but maybe on on day three of a three in a row for Chapman, they're going to go back to to Loisiga. Uh So I got him kind of overpaid. You know, I wanted to make sure I got him. So I think it was at 30 something bucks on that. Uh, let's see. Also, Emilio Pagan, that was a twenty eight dollar bid. Um, again, he's not the closer. Uh, Melanson's doing fine. But it's, it's just a ratio play. I'm looking for strikeouts, and that's how I'm hoping to get back in this game. So I also had a bid on Sam Coonrod, uh, but he was my third guy, and my roster was was filled by then. So that's the route I went, Ray, as I'm trying to kind of stabilize some of these ratios is instead of going with the two-start pitchers mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of getting a good matchup here, but not as such a good matchup here, I, I'm just going to try and get seventh, eighth inning relievers and get that leverage. Yeah, every Monday at Fantasy Guru, I do a closer grid update, uh, the closer chart. And uh, I, I bring that up because you added Pagan. You actually lost Drew Pomeranz to the injured list. Mm-hmm. And I bring that up because what, what happens, and I see this all the time, is we get lulled. Like, Mark Melanson has been spectacular, right? So what happens is psychologically, we get lulled into thinking, oh, don't look at San Diego. It's, you know, it's Melanson's job. If Melanson blows his arm out tomorrow, Pagan's the closer. You know, that's just how that that's because let's be honest, Ray. If Melanson had like three or four 
rough outings. Mm-hmm. Don't you think San Diego would they could would hesitate on them? I think they absolutely. would. Absolutely. Yeah, with the way the game is played in 2021, absolutely. Put, you know, again, Aroldis Chapman, he, he, he'd be back out there. Yeah. You know, he, he'd still be in the ninth inning. But Melanson, you always have this question mark in the back of your head. Yeah, Melanson doesn't strike out 14 guys per, per nine innings and like the radar gun up. So, yeah. So, is Pagan a bad ad? Absolutely not. Is he going to be an ad that pays off for you? Well, we'll see. Yeah. You know, but, <laughs> we'll it, you know, if you make, like I said, you make the move now and, you know, then we hear that Pomeranz is, Injury is more significant. He's going to miss a month, and Melanson, you know, blows his arm out. All of a sudden, you got the closer for twenty-eight bucks. I paid hundred bucks for Josh Stamont, uh, uh, you know, two weeks ago. So, yeah, I mean, that, and I look at your team too, by the way. Um, Corbin, Giolito, Gonsolin, Stroman. You know, you got some arms there behind, you know, yeah. Burns and Anderson. It's it's not as and Molly too. It's not yeah. as bad as it looks on the surface, Kyle. I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's not as bad. It, it's got to be better because the numbers look terrible. One other thing on the bidding in that league, Michael Waldo um, of uh, Fantastics. Right, it was kind of interesting. He got three different outfielders, all for the same cost, twenty six bucks. Tommy Pham, Lorenzo Cain, Odubel Herrera. Uh, what do you think of that trio? I, I'm guessing I haven't looked at Michael's team. I'm guessing he's got outfield issues, but. You know, talent was added there. Now, Lorenzo Cain's looking a little old. Odubel Herrera, who knows? I, I love the grab of fam for 26 bucks. Yeah, I'll be honest with you and the listeners. Um, I had my COVID shot, and I wasn't feeling great on Sunday because I missed fam completely. Uh, uh, I would have absolutely been on fam. I did this over in the, the Tout Wars League. I, I think I picked up fam for 39 or something. No, maybe it, was, maybe it was 100. Maybe it was higher. I'll look that up as we're talking here. But I definitely would have done that. Okay, we're rolling out there, Willie Calhoun. Now, you know the, the real issue for me in that league is I have depth in the outfield. We've got Ben and Tandy, got Brantley, Acuna, Peralta, Winker. Like I don't really need an outfielder, and I have mm-hmm. Otani at the UT, so I don't really need. But I, at that price, I would have thrown a you know thirty-five dollar, forty buck bid on Fam. I think that's an excellent ad. I think all three of the players at the cost are worth worth it. Uh, Herrera is a tough one because I bid on him in in one league, and, and he's now on my team, and I hate the dude. <laughs> I, mean, I just you know my stance on this and it's like it was a i honestly it was a real struggle for me do i even put a bid on this guy because what he did away from the field it's like so i bid a buck and i got him in a hundred dollar fab league so you know he'll be my fill-in but he's been tearing it up of late he's obviously you know one of the starters now for the phillies and, and kane will be a starter as long as he's healthy as well those are three really good ads for less than 80 bucks yeah one other thing to mention in this league was uh, andrea lamont getting busy with the catcher she's um I think she's got Darno on the IL and, and Wilson Ramos on the IL. It's a two catcher league. So she was, and, and I got to say Zanino 75 stallings 35. I don't think they're worth that, but you got to get catchers kind of thing. Um, you know, not the worst thing. Jacob Stallings has looked good. Zanino, of course, is always going to have power, and, and there's a decent amount of playing time for both dudes. Yeah, Stallings hurt his quad yesterday, unfortunately. So we'll have to wait. And <laughs> Perfect see. timing. Yeah, right. Exactly. Probably right after the bid was placed. Uh, we'll have to see what that plays out as but he's he's been pretty good you know to be honest with you he's, he's much better you know the, the the overall surface numbers are not overly impressive but he's a good hitter his on base percentage is very impressive 18 rbis and 42 games for catchers pretty good so uh i think the bid for zanino is bonkers but that's me i mean i you know I mean, he is back I mean, he has a better hitter it's not like Zanino's gonna play every day uh but yeah when you have issues at the catcher spot you got to get your guy you, you don't want to end up you know you don't want to end up rolling out there guys that uh, are getting six at bats and, and can't do anything. So I get it. I just think it's a little aggressive. A couple of other uh, mentions, Robbie Grossman for 35, Miguel Rojas. Uh, Cause say 
got to have a shortstop. And, and Rojas has looked good. $78 there on the bid for Rojas of the Marlins. Moving to our three spot, a player who was uh, not up for grabs in that league yesterday. Um, I think he was at it a few weeks ago, but uh, he probably was up for grabs in some leagues. And I'm sure last night his price tag suddenly went up. Uh, player profile, Ray, of Philadelphia Philly infielder Nick Maton, who after yesterday is hitting 316 with an OPS over 800, um, has a couple homers, a couple steals. Um, he's, he's not a hype player, but he is just 24 years old. And right now he is playing every day for the Phillies. And, you know, there have been issues maybe in the dugout with Gene Segura. Uh, Didi Gregorius has had issues with injuries. Uh, Nick Maton, what do you see when you look at the rookie? The fifth Phillies player since 1980 to have a multi-home run game while hitting out of the ninth spot in the order. Um, one of the, two of those guys are names you've heard of, uh, Ryan Howard and Randy Wolf. Um, Ryan Howard hit ninth Ryan one. Ryan Howard in 2006, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Robert Pearson, John Mayberry, and, and Nick Maton. Um, Mia Culpa here. Uh, Scott Kingery has been hideous. Uh, I was completely wrong on him in a catastrophic way. Uh, because he has been useless, absolutely useless. Um, they have been forced to go with a guy like Maton, who three months ago, I'm sure, you know, if you told the Phillies that they were playing this guy every day, they'd think that they were the worst team in baseball, right? Like, okay. And he has been really good. You're right. Now, the, the real issue we have here is that where does he play if everyone is healthy? Now, is everyone ever healthy? Uh, you know, the outfield's McCutcheon, Harper, and Herrera. First base is, is Hoskins. Second base is Segura. Shortstop is Gregorius. Third base is Baum. There is no place for him to play. Now, that does not mean that they're going to be healthy. We, you know, that does not mean that you know a guy like this can't get 400 plate appearances because they can. This happens all the time. It's the Marwin Gonzalez type of scenario, right? But can you get really excited about a guy if you if you profile him out and say it's 400 plate appearances? If it's 375 plate appearances? You know, you look at Maton right now, he's not walking, he's striking out a ton. Like there's, it looks really good right now and, and you know, credit to him, but I'm not buying it, Kyle. The sample size thing, huh? Yeah. Well, and, and the Segura DD, it's like those guys, I, I don't know how bad they'd have to be to lose their job. Right. They have to be hurt. Now, now Segura, there was the news, I guess he and mm -hmm. Girardi got into a bit of a tiff mm -hmm. uh, yesterday. I mean, I don't think that's going to carry over to you're not starting anymore. Raccoons, Kyle. Uh, it was raccoons. Yeah, <laughs> raccoons again. Yeah, it's always raccoons. Blame the raccoons. That's what I do with the trash cans. Why didn't the trash go out? I guess the raccoons got it. <laughs> no. uh, but yeah, Nick Maton uh, still behind. I think those guys, you think he could play some outfield? Because I, I bring that up with Herrera. Mm -hmm. yeah, he could maybe sneak into center field, but usually you'd make that kind of move if the bat was a payoff. And I guess that's the main point here. Right. There's not really the expectation that the bat is going to be a long-term payoff. That's where I'm at. Correct. So, I mean, you know, when, again, when a guy is hot or he's producing and the other guys are struggling and you find ways to get him in there and teams are not reluctant anymore, right. To, to move a guy around. And, you know, if Maton wants to be a guy that, um, you know, has a long career in the majors, he should do that. He should be telling that he should be working at it and telling the team I'll you know do this because that's that's probably where he's going to be. He's a, a a first division support piece. Maybe he's a second division starter at some point, but you know on a good team, really not. So I they could do that, but again, I, I think it's like you said. I think it's partly sample size induced here the success he's having, and I don't think there's a, an outstanding skill that says he needs to be out there. Not to mention, as we discussed, the the, the clog that's going on there with all the other players the Phillies have.
Phillies uh, currently sitting in second place in the NL East. They enter a brand new week, just a half game behind the team. We're going to talk about here, the first place New York Mets. Now, Philadelphia has played 41 games. The Mets have played 34. So, you know, throw that in your back pocket when you're talking about the first place Mets. But remarkably, Ray, the, the Mets are in first place, despite the fact that they're really not hitting. It's it's kind of embarrassing, some of these rankings just within the National League. And again, they've played fewer games. So I don't want to really concentrate on the, the counting numbers because there's a reason for that. But in, in terms of the other numbers, the, you know, they're almost dead last in slugging percentage right now in the National League. Um, they're near the very bottom in the National League in OPS. And Ray, their lineup has taken a couple of more hits. It sounds like Michael Conforto is indeed going to go to the IL with a hamstring injury. Jeff McNeil could join him there. Uh, you know, the Francisco Lindor story, we've talked about it. Everybody has talked about it. Uh, this Mets team is winning. Again, they're in first place, but things could get really ugly in that lineup, especially if they're going to lose Conforto and McNeil. Yeah, that's huge. And both guys have underperformed, so people might be like, well, yeah, guys, but come on. No, they're established, impressive major league hitters, and you can't afford to lose those. Um, and so that, you know, especially as you noted, when Francisco Lindor has struggled, you're, you're talking about three or four best, well, three or five best hitters, if you say Alonzo and Smith are the other two. Three or five best hitters either not playing or playing poorly. You just it, that that catches just you know five ninth of your lineup 56 percent. Like you can't you can't. Jonathan Villar is not really hitting. James McCann's performing under expectations. Smith is under expectations. I mean Kevin Pillar's the guy that's performing to expectations. That's bad. <laughs> so um, the offense could take a turn for the worse. And you know it's not just that too. I mean you look at this starting rotation. And it's like, who is this starting rotation right now? Stroman, Walker, okay. And then it's like, there's seven guys, it seems like. And, you know, so it's not smoke and mirrors completely, but you're right. This is a team that is teetering and they could go two and eight here in the next two weeks. And I don't think anyone would be surprised by that. Yeah, it's, it, it, here's the thing, right? You go through all the names and it's like, they should be fine. They're going to hit, they're going to figure it out eventually. You know, I look at Conforto, and, and this is kind of becoming one of those seasons, same, maybe the same for McNeil. You know, at least Lindor is playing, but when you have these hamstring injuries, you start to say, okay, is this just going to be one of those years where they're never right? Right. You know, where they're never going to figure it out. And I, I think Conforto, I still would have faith in that this isn't long. I don't see him as a guy who needs his hamstring as much, <laughs> you know, whether that's fair or not. You know, he can get back out there, be good enough to play. Maybe that's not the case with McNeil. In terms of replacements, it's it's not the most exciting crew of guys. I mean, honestly, I don't know who goes into the outfield for the Mets if, if you're going to make this move. I guess we're looking at more of Jose Peraza in the infield with McNeil, but the outfield is like kind of a total mystery. We don't have J.D. Davis back. We don't have Brandon Nimmo back. Um, as soon as they get back, like the Mets really need those guys back, and Nimmo just had his rehab shut down, so – it, it's kind of becoming a, a panic situation, I think, in that outfield just a bit. Yeah, and there's always the potential of a trade, but then at the same time, yeah, probably not. I mean, they've got the pieces there, as you noted, and they've got options and, and pivots, and you don't want to, you know, just like in the fantasy game, you don't want to be making a move that in three weeks when Conforto and McNeil are fully going. Like, well, what do we do then? Now our bench is great, but, you know, how do we keep all these these guys happy and productive? So it's a little bit of a tough spot, um, but – I don't. I mean, there's a lot to be said for the the excitement and the heat that the Mets had in the offseason and that carrying over. Like, there's positive vibes with the franchise, and I know some people have turned in the other direction with Lindor struggling on him and stuff. But 
you know, the new ownership and like, we're going to compete with the Yankees now. Like there's that vibe again. Right. Yeah. And so I think that maybe, maybe that carries them a little bit versus, you know, if this is five years ago, three years ago, people would have been like, Oh crap. You know, it's like you would have immediately just turned and been like, it's over. Let's start preparing for football. Um, so maybe Kyle, but it's, it's, it's going to be tough. You can keep things afloat. You know, good teams keep things afloat. Every team struggles. Good teams keep things afloat for a week or two weeks. If it gets beyond that, you know, and you got to start extending guys, then it gets extremely difficult. Well, the mind wanders here, Ray, as I think about Brandon Nimmo being on the IL, Michael Conforto on the IL, and I think to myself, man, wouldn't it be awesome if the Mets could call up a guy like Jared Kelenic? Oh, Kyle, you had to do wouldn't it. Wouldn't that be great? You had to do it, Kyle. What <laughs> Too bad you traded Jared Kelenic <laughs> to the Mariners for Robinson Cano and your closer. Hey, at least you got a closer um, out of it in Edwin Diaz. Uh, let's move to the five spot. Um, injuries. And, Ray, a lot of big names. You know, we talked about Corey Seager, but Ronald Acuna missed the entire weekend. Uh, John Carlos Stanton is missing time, too. Those are two big guys as we go into a brand new week that – I can't really sit here and feel great about either. I kind of think Acuna will play this week. Knowing Stanton's history, I, I wouldn't be shocked if by the time this thing is over and by the time we post this podcast, he's on the IL. Mm. Well, I mean, you never know uh, with that slugger. You do with Stanton, don't you? <laughs> well, you, well, as you always say, we don't know what's going to get hurt. We just know he's going to get hurt. Uh, it's it's so tough. There's so many guys. Like People ask me, you send me a trade request, and it's like four minutes later, I have to re, re-answer the question because there's some injury that pops up. So I, you never know with these guys. You know in the case of Stan that he you know, has an extensive track record of ill health. And you can't put it aside. And it's good that he – I mean, it's good that he made changes. I've read the stuff. I'm sure you have too, Kyle. He changed his running stride because he realized that was causing – like he, he's trying – you know, he's trying and maybe he's, you know, not as ripped out as he was five years ago. Maybe he's lost a little bit of muscle mass, not much, a little bit like he's trying, but yeah, you can't ever look at him um, and think that he's a, a full go pretty much ever. And when he's dealing with something and you see a word like hope, you got to be nervous. Yeah. Uh, some other issues taking place in baseball. Steven Strasburg been what about a month since we last saw him uh, went four and a third innings in a rehab start yesterday. So I don't know, Ray. You think the next start is in the big leagues, or do you think there's another rehab start? He might, he might be back this weekend. I guess for the Nationals. Yeah, I think my guess would be he's back and he's on like a you know 75 pitch count or something. They'll just keep mm-hmm. him low. Uh, you know, back in the day, guys were handled differently, but now with the you know preponderance of pitchers who go 75, it's normal. It's like a normal start anymore. You know, what for him would be like a rehab. It's normal. So if he can go out there and throw 75 pitches. Uh, I think they could let him run and they'll probably leave it up to him. Yeah, I would think. And so I, I, I think it's at least 50, 50 that he's with the big leagues. It's probably 60, 40. Another vet, uh, David price is going to be activated tonight for the Dodgers. He's been out with the hamstring injury. Uh, Got to think back in the bullpen, but we should throw out there, Ray, with the whole Dustin May situation, maybe they're going to work price up into the rotation at some point in the coming weeks. Yeah. And I've, because price is on the waiver wire everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've toyed with him and I've added him in the league and I dropped him because there was more injuries. And, you know, it's like, I needed an active player. It's so if he's floating around there, he hasn't pitched great. Uh, but he does obviously have the track record of doing it. Um, it really depends upon, you know, what their grand plan is. Uh, but I could definitely see price making starts. Uh, definitely. And, you know, it, there is a possibility that if he gets in that role that he's just fine. Now, is he going to be great or excited? no, but could he be a top 75 starting pitcher? Yeah, he could do that, which is usable in the fantasy game. 
Well, we may be seeing a guy making the other move. You know, Price may be doing the bullpen to the rotation. Ray, maybe in San Diego, they finally took my advice. Maybe Denelson Lamette's going from starter to reliever. You know, on Sunday night, 37 no. pitches out of the bullpen. Yeah. Um, that, I, I think that's the way to use him. I don't think this guy can start. And, you know, that was, you know, Ryan Weathers got the start there. So it kind of, sh- you know, it's set up as a, a piggyback game, maybe between Lamette and Weathers. But I, I really think if I own Lamette, and I don't have him anywhere, Ray, but I, I kind of think that's what I should plan for in terms of usage this year. I don't think we get back to where Denilson Lamette's making starts and we're expecting six innings out of him this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, you and I have talked about him and I agree with you. I, I flat out said, dude, what are they doing? Like using him for two, if you can only use him for two innings or 35 pitches, why is he starting games? This is just stupid. Like it doesn't bring him in in the, in the eighth inning or whatever and let him dominate an opponent that way. And the question is, as, as we brought up the last time we talked about this, is how frequently can he be utilized? Can he pitch every other day? Is it something where he's going to have to have three or four days off? You know, so they're, they're fully committed to the non-committal here. I mean, they're fully committed to him pitching two innings whenever he pitches, and I, I don't really understand it. Uh, we'll have to see what that workload is, but he, he definitely profiles better in the fantasy game in the bullpen because there's a chance, a, a chance for a save here and there, but even mm-hmm. beyond that, a chance for a victory. He's not getting them as a starting pitcher going two innings, so it's a positive. We'll see if he can be utilized enough for it to matter. Ray said positive. Let me go negative. Kenta Maeda, another rough outing on Sunday. Supposedly there's a growing issue. That mm-hmm. that sounds far-fetched, but uh, throwing it out there just to let you know. We do have some guys rehabbing. Uh, Cabrian Hayes planning to start his rehab assignment this week. He's been out, gosh, six weeks with a wrist injury. Uh, Cattell Marte going to start his rehab assignment tonight on a Monday. It sounds like Adalberto Mondesi going to move it up to AAA beginning tomorrow, so we could see him. Uh, good news, especially, Ray, for, well, all three of the guys. Mondesi, will finally see him. Marte, uh, maybe we'll get to see him this week. And Cabrian Hayes, I would say maybe uh, early next week, middle of next week. Of course, we kind of thought we'd see him after four or five days, and, and here we are still waiting in the middle of May. Yeah, I always love when that happens, and the team says, there's been no setbacks. Oh, really? There's been no setbacks, but he's been out four weeks longer than you thought. Oh, okay. Um, he was someone that was uh, obviously very hyped, uh, after his great season last year that su- exceeded all expectations. He started out blazing this year too. People were all excited and then the injury happened. And, you know, people have made other moves by now. Uh, they've made other plans by now. I hope that they have something good in place because this delay and everything, you, you can't feel good at least in the short term or when he comes back that you're getting anything near an all-star level performer. It's going to take a while for him to get back there and he may not even get there this year. I think that he was overdrafted a little bit anyway. A mm, couple of other quick things. Uh, Luke Weaver pulled early yesterday, shoulder issue for him. Tyler O'Neill, who's been hit the baseball and stealing bases for the Cardinals. He is considered day-to-day left last night's game with a finger injury. Let's go to the six hole in our starting nine and talk about the return and success of Mitch Hanniger. I just wanted to give him a shout out, Ray, because here we are six, seven weeks in, and I feel like we haven't talked much about Mitch Hanniger. And, you know, last week we're talking about his new teammate, Jared Kellenick, a ton. Uh, full shout out to Hanniger. It's been such a rough battle getting back into the game, but Ray, his first 40 games this year are remarkable. You wake up this morning, he's leading baseball in home runs. It's one of the very few, if not only guys who has at least 30 runs and 30 ribbies on mm-hmm. the season. Um, he's not the perfect player. There's no steals and you know he strikes out a decent amount, but this has been an awesome storyline. A guy that you could get as a true bargain on draft day in the first quarter of the season has been a monstrous season from Hanniger. Yeah, it absolutely has. Uh, and two things going on here. One, he's basically played every day, which is 
for any player, the number one key being on the field. And for him, such a huge concern coming in because his body has betrayed him for years now. And two, he's performed at elite levels. Um, I, I struggle to think that either one of those things continues. Um, you know, that my, my issue with him was coming into the year, my issue was that I just didn't trust him to be able to play every day. Mm-hmm. And remember what I said at the top, everyone. This is, we're just starting week eight of 26. It is a long season. And I, I hope that he can return to playing 150 games because if he does, he's a really good player. I don't, I don't have much confidence, even with this great start, that that's going to happen. And when you look at his performance, like, is he really going to go 40, 120, 120? No. So, you know, how, how, how much does he have left the rest of the way? If he just turns into who he was, right, he can go 30, 100, 100, which is fantastic, right? It's fantastic. Um, I, I just, I worry about the, the slowdown that's likely to occur with him. And I also worry a little bit, even with all the home runs and everything, you don't really see an explanation for it other than this home run to fly ball ratio being 25%, which is a big number. So uh, great, stupendous performance to date. He's been terrific. I do worry about the slowdown. Yeah, I think it was, he missed pretty well two years. I mean, he missed a good portion of 2019, all of last season. Um, two years missed, year and a half missed, and three surgeries, I think it was, when it was all said and done yeah. on the hernia issue. Uh, now 30 years old, too. You kind of think of Mitch Hanniger as maybe a younger guy, but uh, he is into his 30s. Wonderful start. He's also got nine doubles on the season. So uh, he is doing things in the middle of that lineup for the Seattle Mariners. As we continue here on the Baseball Elite Podcast, let's check in on Rob Povia's article over at Fantasy Guru. It's his weekly planner article. He updates it throughout the week. But, uh, Ray, a lot of things that he's touching on, some of the usuals, you know, the five-game weeks, uh, Kansas City, Milwaukee, and St. Louis, five-game weeks there. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about some studs in the minors, and they're not the guys that everybody's talking about. It's it's not just, you know, Wander Franco, Julio Rodriguez, and Bobby Wood. There's some other guys that uh, he's taking a look at there with the early returns on the, on the uh, minor league season. Another thing, Ray, is uh, talking about the Texas Rangers within that weekly planner article um, seven games for the Rangers this week. And as of now, it appears that in all seven games, they're going to face some right-handers and that's really good for the Ranger left-handers. Now it's not like they're going to hit 800 this week, but that Rangers team at the top of the lineup, Ray, is kind of interesting. I mean, they all have faults. They all have warts, mm-hmm. but when you talk about left-handed power and guys who can do it from the left side, then you talk about a week of seven games, all seven games set to be against right-handers. You know, certainly a guy like Joey Gallo and others, they kind of kind of look good going into the week for the Rangers. Yeah, and Tal Wars, I'm without Christian Yelich. I'm without Brandon Nimmo. I'm without Hunter Dozier. So welcome a $17 David doll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I felt pretty good, actually, about getting him for 17 He's He's, you know, performed better the last couple of weeks. Dahl is hitting 294. He's got a 351 on base percentage the last 10 games, you know, starting to hit. And then... Um, no, and I didn't notice because I, I wasn't looking at the, the schedule before I saw Rob's article. I saw what Rob wrote. And I was like, oh, you know what? Yeah. That's Seven games, a <laughs> bunch of varieties. And boom, like I said, 17 of my thousand bucks goes on David Dahl. If it doesn't work, I'll move on next week when my guys get healthy. But for this week, I think it's a, it's a really good move. So the, the, the piece is, is very, um, very useful for a variety of reasons. And I, I think it's one thing to say, oh, seven games here, five games here. That, that's very important information. But the, the lefty-righty home away stuff um, is, is the secondary level that you need. You never know with the lefty-righty stuff because teams change their starting pitchers two hours before game time anymore. Yeah. So, you know, but it's well, And also even important. the players, if the matchup says, oh, yeah, we're going to play against, you know, if they're playing, set, how many guys play seven straight days with yeah, no off anymore? days? That's, mm-hmm. 
that's the other issue is you got seven games this week, but is Texas a team that's going to, now I will say for those guys, Ray, Mm -hmm. they're so important to the Rangers that almost all those guys are indeed playing every day. So maybe they get the full seven this week. Yeah. You never know. Like you said, you never know. Can they, can guys play seven games and stay healthy? It's almost like a question now. It's absurd, but, um, but yeah, you know, you got to feel, you got to feel good just about the overall situation with the team this week you just have to and you know you look at the standings and they're they're are they already out of it Kyle I guess they're already out of it um you know what what are they what are they trying to accomplish and you know are you trying to rest David Dahl are you trying to rest Nate Lowe are you trying to rest Willie Calhoun like what's the point of that you know you gotta like you've said earlier with the teams in different scenarios you gotta see what they are we talked about Brandon Rogers the other day. You got to see what he, these young players are. Can you build around these guys? So I feel pretty good that we see him at least for six of the seven games. And if that's the case, that's probably a win. And recall with the retractable roof now that uh, yep. awful Texas sun in the summer, you don't have to worry about that wearing down players anymore. So True. that's a big change yep. uh, for the Texas Rangers. One last thing in that article, um, he, he always puts, Rob always puts a um, two start pitcher streamer. John Lester this week, Ray. At Chicago versus Baltimore, do you buy it? As a streamer, nothing else. I felt dirty bidding on John Lester in a couple of leagues this weekend (laughs) because of this. Um, I, I, again, I feel dirty. I'm going to say it's worth as a as a stream of the week. We're going to use him a couple times, and then hey, okay. I don't have a problem with it. Now the issue with Lester is that he doesn't miss bats anymore. And guys that don't miss, miss bats, even if they're wily like him, they can have rough outings, you know, and, you know, at an advancing age, and that is a rough outing, something he can curtail and stop with one, or does it bleed into a second start? So, yeah, I look at the, the matchups, right? Baltimore's not scary against his old team. He's going to be up for that one. I, again, I bid on him in a couple of leagues. It was a low bid, but I can get behind it for that. Again, check out uh, Rob's article. It's referenced, or I should say it's updated um, throughout the week. Uh, Ray and Rob covering so much stuff over at Fantasy Guru. Uh, take care of all your baseball needs uh, from day one to day seven of any week. Time for us to now take our random reference in the eight hole. Head over to baseballreference.com. Hit the uh, random pages link and just see what we get. And uh, our only challenge here is it's got to be 1980 to present, which I just pulled up uh some dude named Bert Delmas hmm. who played in the thirties. I don't so know him. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't count. I think he only played one year oh, back in the thirties. So we yeah. can't use Bert Delmas. Let's keep it rolling. And uh, we land on Rex brothers. Who's oh. actually still pitching yes. in baseball, believe it or not. Um, Rex brothers Ray is kind of becoming one of those uh, baseball lifers where, you know, he probably never became what people were hoping he would mm-hmm. become. He's missed entire seasons thanks to injury uh but lo and behold he started in 2011 and he's still pitching in 2021 uh, now for the chicago cubs yeah that's it when you when you pull off 10 years that's pretty, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty damn impressive it counts, right? man it it's really does. um looking for that pension um and you know i mean it's it's interesting his era plus is 117 which is 17 percent better than the league average okay that's you know that's something uh, the whip is terrible and the strikeout the walk ratio is terrible and we're searching here but yeah you know back in 2013 when he had those 19 saves there were there were there was excitement with him yeah, with, yeah that he was going to be someone in their bullpen and everything and as we have seen virtually every pitcher ever with Colorado has no staying power they just well Ray I, I'd love for you to to put this in like one of your machines and see how many 
Colorado closers in the history of that organization have had a season with 19 saves, a sub two ERA, a sub one, three whip and over 10 Ks per nine. Probably none. I, I, I doubt that's... all four of those things for the Rockies organization. That was Rex brothers in 2013. You, you can make the argument he could have had. I'll make it right now. One of the top five relief seasons for a Colorado Rocky pitcher. Yeah, it was good. Okay, I'm going to try to do this as we're talking here. Uh, ERA, just the Rockies. Said, just the Rockies. Yeah, ERA's under two? Under two. He was uh, at 174. So. equals two. Okay. Um, at least 19 saves. Saves. Let's see here. Live radio podcasting. Yeah. Saves greater yeah. than or equal 19. Okay. Yeah. Uh, whip, whip of under 1.3. Less than or equals 1.3. Okay. Look, you're really good at this, man. Thanks. Um, you've done this before. And a strikeout per nine of at least 10. He was at 10-2 in, in uh, 2013. Okay, now let's, sometimes the program freezes up the first time, <laughs> which would be very annoying. Yeah, well, we're but, keeping this very specific to just the Rockies organization. Let's see. Uh, an ERA under two, 19 saves. Maybe I did it wrong. Oh, man. It said zero. It didn't even have him up there. Mm. One more time. An ERA less than two, saves greater than or equal 19. Whip less than or equals 1.3. Strikeouts greater than or equal 10.0, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, that, that's what I'm looking for. Rex Brothers, only one. Only one. There it is. Ray, I'm calling it one of the top five <laughs> relief seasons in Rockies history. Our random <sighs> reference, Rex Brothers. Look at that. Woo! That's no Rex. I mean, th- now you throw that on any other major league team since 1994. Mm-hmm. I bet there are a dozen dudes who meet that qualification. Oh, there's on, guys on, do that. Well, every I mean, year. on every team almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, pretty wild to think he's the only guy in Rocky's history who has done that. That's a good random reference. I like that. Very good. Um, let's close it down with our stamp of approval, Ray. Uh, start of a new week. You have mm-hmm. the weekend. I'm sure something caught your eye and you said, you know what? This is good and I need to talk about it. it, it, it yes, absolutely. And it's, it's very random. Um, my. Little Puppers, my seven-month-old Australian Shepherd, Ollie Aussie Dog on Instagram. Um, He had his neutering where they go in and snip, snip, and no more babies for this kid, right? Uh, And normally they give you the the cone of shame, the plastic cone of shame, right? Um, They keep the dog away from the stitches, right? Right, right. And they bump into the walls. So my significant other had the foresight to order a special cone. And it was 20 bucks. It's not, you know, nothing fancy, fancy. But it has a little glow ring around the top. So if you take them out at nighttime, you can see them, but it reflects. So no car is going to run them over. But more than that, it's made out of styrofoam. And, and I don't know what the outside is, vinyl or something, but it's kind of soft, right? So the cone of shame that is not the plastic one that everyone has seen because he has run into the wall 586 times over the last couple of days. He would have been scraping paint off walls. He probably would have cut our legs a couple times when he's trying to scoop by <laughs> on the couch. So the padded cone of shame that still does the trick, but protects the house. Oh, very nice. Very nice. You know, I've, I've noticed your life is now centered a lot around your dog. Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, taking care of him and keeping him yeah. safe. Um, mine is the same with the child. And so that's where, where my stamp of approval goes. Uh, uh, Walt is 20, coming up on 26 months. 
uh, 25 and a half months, I guess, to be exact. I mean, almost to the day. Is that right? Yeah, 25 and a half months. Wow. Um, and so, Ray, now it's, it's it's becoming more and more fun. Like over the last two or three months, it's just wild. You can have, you know, kind of conversations. You can do things that are more fun. Like we were able to play with matchbox cars. And oh and that's where I'm going. We are at Walmart, Ray, and, and my wife wanted a little time away because, you know, he's just bothered. Get me this. Get me that. Mom, do this. all. So she ran away to go to like the to the you know, the flowers and mm-hmm. all the garden stuff. Okay. Me and Walt proceeded to uh, spend some time in the Hot Wheels matchbox car lane. Nice. And it was a good 15 minutes. He was highly entertained just looking at the cars. So uh, we had to buy a few. And uh, even though it's like totally 1940s, he's enjoying the hell out of the fact that these things are so small. Uh, they're very detailed. And they're extremely easy to send flying across the floor. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is going to last beyond the reposting of this podcast right for now he's really into matchbox cars which um you know it's better than being really into the ipad at this point i gotta tell you that i i had a lot of fun with those two i never really collected them right i ended up with a bucket of them i remember we had a garage sale everybody's got a bucket but yeah you know you get chipped paint but yeah yeah oh yeah after being in that walmart lane they got like really cool ones that reference cars from the 70s and mm-hmm. you know current day cars it's it's pretty wild to look at it as an adult it's uh it is wild how detailed they are and it's it's a thing like it's a whole underground like it's a I, I saw a show on history channel or something once where they were talking about hot wheels and like how people are making their cars they're doing custom cars for themselves to look like the, the hot wheels they had when they were kids like all kinds <laughs> of stuff like it's you know but uh yeah your son you and he were watching the cars drive by from the the was it the fair or the museum or something one time across the street he's oh gonna yeah be a race over car the driver. highway yeah, yeah he's, he's gonna be a that. race car driver or truck driver or something like that i'm sensing yeah. it kyle he loves watching cars go by and and i've never seen anybody who can spot an airplane in the sky from as a dot on the horizon and he can catch it pretty transportation man that's his thing right now i guess maybe because he can't drive anything he's <laughs> totally into people who can um Anyway, stamp of approval for today as we sign off on this podcast. Ray, where can the folks find you this week? The folks can find us um, over at EliteFantasy.com Monday through Friday on the live streams, 5.30 Eastern. The time has changed, so it's 5.30 Eastern now. If you don't know what that is, EliteFantasy.com is our DFS arm and our company here. So if you want to play, especially DFS baseball right now with, with hockey and, and basketball moving on, um, go to EliteFantasy.com. we got a discount going on there, a live stream every day at 5.30 where we talk about the lineups. We augment the articles that are written and give more in-depth analysis uh, than is written just in the article. So we have that there. You can also find me on Twitter at Baseball Guys. You can find me on Instagram at The Ray Flowers. And you can find me on SiriusXM with uh, Kyle Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and on uh, Thursdays with Jeff Manns. Okay. As for me, you can find me cursing the heavens as I step on multiple Hot Wheels over the next uh, few weeks. Be careful. Introducing me to the world of the parent with Legos. You know, wow. constantly stepping oh, on the yeah, lots of fun. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna strengthen the palm of my foot. Wear some slippers. Yeah, yeah. have to be ready for that. Uh, that'll do it for us. Does it for the podcast? This is our freebie. So uh, for any new listeners, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we're we're free every Monday. We do ask that you're a member at, at Fantasy uh, Guru uh, if you'd like to catch the midweek and the weekend edition of this podcast. Um, so again, hopefully we did it for you today. We will see you later in the week. Uh, Coming your way on Wednesday, that subscriber-only podcast for Ray Flowers. I'm Kyle Elfrink. We'll see you around the bend right here on the Baseball Elite Podcast. Good luck to the week, everybody.